Welcome to a Q2 report edition of the Grizz Den podcast. We're 40 games in. We're sitting here on a Wednesday night in a cold week. It has been snowing. It has been crazy out there. And we're welcoming all four of us to this podcast remotely. I'll first welcome John Kraft to the show. John, how you doing? Doing good. Staying warm. Ty, what's up, dude? Not much. Uh, yeah, you were talking before, just, you know, thriving in snow week. Haven't left the house in quite some time. It's been great. Plenty of time to research for this year, Pod. Brantley, what's up? That's right. Um, guys, the roads are great, man. I don't know what you're talking about. You need to get out there. Quit being lame. It's, it's totally fine to drive. Everybody, this is all overblown. Speaking of, speaking of, Brantley, we were at the Warriors game this past Monday. Kraft was also there. Ty was texting. He was there in spirit. But I personally came away from that experience and just the unique environment of it being not only MLK Day, but the weather was crazy. The arena wasn't full, but it was loud. Draymond's first game back. The Grizzlies just have an upset that, I mean, I've said it multiple times now, playing with house money. I'm having a blast. I thought it was the most fun win of the season. Brantley, what what were your takeaways from that experience on Monday? Yeah, I mean, there's not a whole lot of wins to pick fun from. Uh, that was definitely unexpected. I like literally driving into the game. I was like, Katie, there's a chance. <laughs> My wife, Katie, shout out. Uh, we may be leaving, you know, in the third quarter. Like, this is just – this has the chance to not be fun at all. And, man, it turned quickly the other direction. I think sort of at halftime, I was like, this is this is not going anywhere remotely like I thought. You know, I think <clears throat> the the fun questions that we were thinking during the middle of, of that game is, is Will and I had the, the choice of basically – at least 60% of FedEx forum or where we could sit together was who's the worst player on our team. Great question. Maybe we'll discuss it later. It's taken forever to give Vince and GG run. Who's to blame. That's another segment that we'll be talking through. I mean, for real, it just is like, that's a fun game that it, it just, it's starting. We're kind of in the middle of this new chapter of, who can we maybe learn from again in the middle of like, Hey, the season is quote unquote over from a long-term perspective, but it's not over or over from a short-term perspective, but it's not over from a long-term perspective. Amazingly too, when you look at the standings being four and a half games back from the play in, this is the closest we've been in a really long time. And yet it feels like the furthest we've been at, at, at the same time. It's just great. And a lot of that has to do with teams like the Warriors, the Rockets, the Lakers starting to really fall back. and uh, But I'm with you. It's just, it doesn't feel as if this season is now about what comes in the postseason. It's all about what we're developing and also the players that we're seeing that just clearly don't have it. And we'll get into that as we're 
going to talk through maybe some some trade deadline previews, just the state of the team. But Ty, I'll pass it over to you. What did you think? Did you were you watching on on TNT the other night? Of course not. You're on Bally. I'm I'm offended by that that you even thought that I would do. See, such I knew a that thing. you're a Bally truther, which is great. Uh, well, well, there's some of news course. about that when it, when it works. I'm all there's in. some news about that. But what I was getting to is, did you see the Gigi Jackson interview? I did. Um, I think I. Yeah, I was looking. I think at like Twitter or something like that, and someone mentioned it about you got to check out. So I went quickly over to the YouTube TV app and got on TNT just in enough time to like catch his interview. Um, it was perfect. I, yeah. Everyone has kind of mentioned that his like eyes lighting up when he realized it was Shaq. We're not, we're not breaking news here. I'm sure if you're listening to this podcast, you're aware. Um, but to your y'all's point about like the extreme amount of fun that that game was that to me was like the perfect like kind of icing on on the cake cherry on the sunday type situation you have this youngest player in the entire nba um scoring 23 points hitting just dagger three after dagger three from the wing every one of them looked just like so pure the quickest of release uh, a couple times, Jonathan Kaminga tried to like body GG. Didn't didn't go well for Kaminga. Um, the athleticism, running the floor. If you like, kind of watch you whether you're watching the game or kind of watching the highlights. When he hit a couple of those threes from the wing, like his smile, he looked like he was just having the time of his life. Um, and in a season, I've, I've heard other, other people obviously mention this in a season like ours, where you're just like grasping for any bit of joy. Um, that was just like, that was just the best. Um, I, yeah, Brantley, you might've just kind of hinted at or said it out. Right. But I think that was the most fun. Oddly enough, maybe outside that Lakers win, um, in LA, I think this was maybe the most fun win of the year. Um, honestly, primarily because of who we beat and how I texted y'all this before the game. I was like, if this Grizzlies team beats this Warriors team, like, you know, it's, it's the Titanic. It's the Warriors are, it's, it's the most tanking of ships. It's basically at the bottom of the ocean at this point. And it was just so sweet to have Draymond come back and get booed and him get beat by Vince and Gigi. It was perfect. Kraft, you were also at the game. I'd love to hear your thoughts in general about what transpired. And then I have a second part of the question. But first, what are your thoughts about the game? Yeah, I mean, I, I thought it was it was really exciting. I mean, I was I was nervous about how few fans were there and the fans that were there. A lot of them were wearing Warriors jerseys. That's kind of like my worst nightmare. But uh, obviously, when we went on that run uh, with the GG and then the, the Luke Kennard three to put us up by 10, um, late, uh, the building was as loud as it's honestly been this, this season, I think, even though it was only like two thirds full. Uh, and so that was always fun. I, it is always funny how immediately two minutes into the game, how much more intense I'm in it because it's the Warriors. Uh, but I think it's the same. I think this is, you know, when I went on my little rant on the weekend about tanking and how we shouldn't be tanking, but we should just play it out. Um, this is exactly the kind of game that I'm talking about where you can have these fun wins against rivals or against teams that you don't like 
and you can play the spoiler and it's it's just it's super fun to do that and uh you know i mean we don't need you know like i think like you said i mean i'm obviously uh we're, we're four and a half back feels like more i'm you know I, I have zero hopes for this season short term but i do think that uh it, it's just been good to see that i think uh we've played really hard since getting hit with all the injuries and honestly the clippers are beating everybody so losing the Clippers isn't really shameful. And then honestly, I you know I think we played good enough to beat the Knicks uh, with them ha- out having Brunson. We just didn't have enough people, um, and they could just kill us down low. I think if Jaron had actually been healthy to play that game, we might have had a chance. And so I just I want to see us be competitive. I think it's fun, um, even though we're going to take a lot of losses because of our roster. And I think it also just really allows for a lot of different guys to shine. And obviously, Gigi Jackson stepped up, and and honestly, Vince showed us. Hey, when you need me to, I can score twenty plus points too. So I mean, I think, I think that that was a huge deal. Uh, you know that that I'm hoping what happened Monday is what happens the rest of the season, and that we very much uh, it clarifies for us who we need going into next year and who we don't need. You know, and that's I think at the coming back when we did a, an emergency pod about Stephen Adams' injury. Uh, you know, Steve's us so long ago now. Uh, like that was something that, you know, I was hoping for, even if, you know, worst case scenario happens this season, that, that really what the season does is brings clarity to who needs, who we need to go with for the next two to three years. Um, and I actually think even Jenkins, we've, I, I think we've complained about Jenkins kind of being all over the place with rotations. I actually think him going with eight, nine guys, uh, having a much quicker hook, like when guys aren't, aren't playing well, when guys commit turnovers, when uh you know when guys uh, don't shoot shots that are open Jenkins is taking them out and putting somebody else in and he's only playing the guys in the second half that are good and I I really have appreciated that I kind of honestly I wish we'd done that when we were going through our 6 and 19 stint I think we might have had a better record but uh but that's been that but that was fun to see as well that like peak Zaire complaint it felt like always he was being taken out which is nice uh which I wish that had happened sooner one other observation, maybe we can kind of stick on that game just because it, it, a lot of things happened. Um, but the fact that Vince has, his role has expanded so much in the last like two weeks, especially offensively. Like I remember, you know, the whole thing with Zaire in summer league was like, let's try to put the ball in his hands and have him kind of run offense and stuff like that. And it's immediate that like, it was bad then, but also there's been zero improvement. Anytime he dribbles the ball, it's terrifying. It's wild how often, especially last game, and honestly the game before against the Knicks, how when we were starting a break, like we looked to get it to Vince. And Vince was the run, like he was the one bringing the ball up the floor. He was the one making like the extra pass. I remember he had a wide open corner three on like a little semi break and then saw Luke kind of like coming up the court on the opposite wing no hesitation, pass it to him for the, you know, Luke, obviously pretty trust, trustworthy three-point shooter. He's just always making the right play, making the better pass. But as much as, like, I was just really surprised how much the ball was, like, put in his hands to create offense with lineups that looked like we didn't have any other options. Um, and to me, when you see him do that and you just compare that to a guy like Zaire, who that's Zaire, who that's, you know, what we've been hoping to see. And we just haven't seen it in, let's just say three years with Vince. We've seen it in two weeks. Right. And I think that should speak volumes about his role moving forward 
just what he's shown so far, like Kraft, you mentioned getting 20 plus points, but also just the, the almost the offensive creation in the hub that he was because it was so desperately needed with the lineups that he was playing with on the floor. And he was just able to get people in the right spots, make the right decisions. I was just like, I did not know that this was the case at all. I thought it was going to be like defend really hard catch it and shoot it or catch it and pass it. Those are your only two offensive, you know, things you can do. And I've just seen his offense open up so much. And I think that should be, you know, talked about just as much as the defense. Um, Cause the offense to me has almost been more surprising because I guess what my expectations were coming in. Yeah. I mean, 37 yeah, so that, minutes. That all begs the question. That begs the question, Ty. Who's to blame? Why is it taking this long for Gigi and Vince to get run? Yeah, I I kind of have a theory that isn't necessarily um, surprising when you think through how these decisions are made in reality, because front offices they they have a methodology. I feel that they use when communicating with coaching staffs, you know, prioritizing playing time. And I think it comes back to the draft, which in my opinion is a faulty premise by which to judge who deserves playing time and who deserves development. But what's, I feel like what GMs are judged the most upon are their big swings and their ability to evaluate talent when it's at the highest stakes which when you have a top 10 pick like we did when you give up what you give up to get that top 10 pick then I almost feel as if for it it's the human nature of it to want that to work out and you want that to be a positive on your resume even though there's game after game so much evidence showing that it's not a positive and that it has to be the exact perfect context at all times for even it to work out halfway. And then you go down the line to you spend two more first round picks, trade up for both to take two other guys that arguably have not worked out either. And it's just this, I can see like you can map the playing time almost, uh, of course, barring injury and things like that, you can literally map it exactly to where these guys were drafted. And I don't know. I, I definitely think that it it sort of falls falls under that pattern. And I hate that it has taken this long. And at the end of the day, if it works out in the end, you know, who's to say this wouldn't have been a lost year anyway, due to just the suspension, the injuries. Even if we had figured out that Vince and Gigi were better than the three other guys I just listed earlier, would that have made enough of a difference for us to change the trajectory on the season? I mean, that's where I think that Kleiman and, and Jenkins are going to get maybe bailed out in this situation. If if we look up next year, though, and Roddy, LaRavia, and Zaire, if two out of the three are on this roster— I mean, frankly, I'd, I want all three gone, but if two out of three are still in this roster, that's when I start to be uh, you know, heavily questioning motives here and whether there is um, you know, whether there's, there's something going on. But overall, I think that's the way that I would kind of look at the situation. 
I mean, I'll I'll say that the with I think with Vince it's a little different when with Gigi. I think Vince is more uh, because coming out of summer league, you know, uh, and now of course you look back, we won every game Vince Williams played in summer league. Every game he didn't play, we lost. I mean that 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 happens. Like and we you know people started comparing you know. Uh, certain of our favorite other podcasters started referring to him as, you know, a, a kind of a new DeAnthony Melton type player and just that he always had a good plus minus. He always seemed to be everywhere. And uh, and so that, I think, is more of the criticism because basically he was honestly behind three other people. Uh, one of whom is already, I think, off the team. But, you know, so I think it, that's interesting. But I think with Gigi, uh, with Gigi, there's more of a sense I think we're in a weird place now, honestly, because we don't have his rights. Uh, he's a restricted free agent at the end of this year. Um, and I know there are a lot of people watching that game on Monday and a lot of people looking at, wait a second, a 6'9", 6'10 guy who's 19, the youngest guy in the NBA, and he can do all this stuff. Uh, so I think it's going to be very interesting to see uh, how the Grizzlies sort of handle the rest of the, you know, if we get him signed before the season's out. Uh, if we allow him to be a restricted free agent, because I think we end up, we won't, if we do that, we might not have as favorable of a contract as uh, we got with Vince Williams. So I think there's a little bit of a slow roll with Gigi that, and he had some issues his one year at South Carolina. So I can kind of understand them not wanting to thrust him out into the spotlight so early. Uh, but Vince seems very much like, like you were saying, I mean, I think, I, I think there is a year we give people, but you know, after, after a year you've been drafted, I think it's meritocracy all the way when it comes to sports and you should stop caring about where guys were drafted and just play guys who, who impact winning positively. So the one thing I will say that encourages me is, I mean, Vince is a great example of you see a guy produce in the front office rewards that um, signs him to a long-term deal like even Conchar, like everyone kind of brings up the Conchar contact, contract, like the reason we gave that to him, which I don't know if this is true. This may be just like fan media speculation, but to like reward a player that we, you know, got on a two-way that had done what we had asked him to do. And like his reward for that was to, we, you know, did a long-term contract. So part of me, the other one is honestly Tillman. Yes, we haven't given him a contract, but we signed him to a four-year deal as a second-round pick, which was pretty significant at the time. We have shown to really value people within our system, people that we bring into our system, whether that's second-round picks, because, I mean, obviously, to me, we've shown value in that. But at the same time, we've also seen the value in the quick trigger if we don't think it's going to work with some of those kind of like fringy rotation players, you know, Kenneth Lofton's a prime example. Um, Kennedy Chandler is another prime example. We knew, it seemed like we knew immediately, like this is not something we want to move forward with. So we are getting off that. Brantley, to your point, it's, it seems like we're going to be way more hesitant taking that approach when it comes to players that we clearly liked ahead of the draft and then ended up drafting in the first round. But at the same time, Kraft, to your point, like we don't have an unlimited amount of time to kind of make these decisions, especially with Gigi. Like we kind of have to decide like at the end of this year. Now that can be this summer easily. So it's not like we have to trade everyone before the deadline, but 
to me, it's, it's kind of the, what I was thinking about when you asked the question initially, Brantley was like the urgency of, we need to know if these guys can play and fit or not. Um, and it seemed like we were kind of a little bit more urgent on Zaire clearly because <clears throat> he did show flashes of being good with, with jaw Roddy, I guess, cause the body archetype and the, maybe his just like theoretical kind of like positionless ish wing spot that he can do like a little bit of everything and see what that looks like. LaRavia has never really gotten significant time on the, on the big league team. Um, which makes me think that could be a sign pointing towards something happening with him. I don't really know. But the overarching theme to me is that we took several, let's just call it five, kind of you know shots in the dark on wings that we think can fit with this core that we have. It's going to come to a time where you kind of got you to pick the guys and move off the others especially with our roster crunch, especially with, you know, Will, you may get into it a little bit later with the tax implications of what may come up. GG's on a, obviously could be on a really, really cheap deal if we do extend him. If he does turn out to be something and he's on a Vince-type deal, think about that in a couple years, right? If he is, like, borderline your starting wing, I know that's, like, projecting a ton, but the Zaire contract is going to be up pretty soon. We're going to have to figure out an extension about him and a player that's never mentioned in that category, and I'm about to bring him up, is Santi. To me, he is in this mix of players that we need to kind of figure something out about. And if we think that it's not going to be, he doesn't really fit in this in this core, um, that's someone we need to kind of determine what that looks like as well. So a part of me is like, well, maybe we weren't as urgent to kind of figure this out about these guys. But now after reading... Chris Harrington's article in the Daily Memphian about Gigi's somewhat urgency of needing to figure that out. Already solidifying Vince as a definitely long-term part of our roster. To me, Will, to your point, those three guys are definitely in a tryout for the rest of this year to see who's going to stick and who doesn't. Um, maybe one of them, both of the, some of them get traded at the deadline. I'm not really, I'm not really sure about that, but if they do end up sticking past the deadline, it's, it's a tryout. It's a tryout session for for all those guys. Yeah, I think it's important to note too that when you do agree to two-way contracts that the more than likely if a player depending on where the player is in their career and I think we have two really good examples that just happened. Number 1 was this Scotty Pippen Jr. signing that we just made, which is another an additional point guard Craft United talked about on Sunday. What are we going to do to shore up um, just we need bodies on the floor and the positions of need right now are point guard and center. And what are we going to do with that third two-way? We decided this week to sign Scottie Pippen Jr., who's been this uh, really productive point guard on the Lakers G League team. Um, and he is, uh, he's 6'1". Can, he's, to me, he's a little bit taller Gilliard, can steal, steal anybody's, anybody's ball. Uh, and, but, Note that he signed a two-year, two-way contract. And the reason why his agent agreed to that with the Grizzlies is because there's a chance he doesn't have a sticking point in other rosters. And so he wants the security of having at least two seasons to prove himself and then hopefully get a called up on a, a regular contract and bought out of his two-way. Gigi, on the other hand, 
was, you know, Ty, you've mentioned a whole lot about scouts that have said if he were in this upcoming draft, he might be a top 10 pick, maybe even higher. And if you're his agent and you're looking at the Grizzlies situation and seeing there's a chance, given a bunch of uh, volatility, that we might get a chance here to play on the main roster, we're only going to sign a one-year deal. And that implies that you, you get less security, but you get on the open market a lot quicker. The Grizzlies now have a decision to make before this cap year rolls over. Are we going to try to take advantage of having Gigi in-house, clearing a roster spot to sign him on the main roster, or are we going to roll the dice, see what happens in restricted free agency and come to a, either let a team bid and we match the bid, or we, yeah, go ahead and take care of him now. And so it is a unique, this, and now we have three two-way spots too to, to deal with. So, I mean, you know, Vince Williams was a two-way guy, now got signed to a main contract. And Kenny Lofton was the same way at the end of last year. So there's a lot of flexibility and a lot of differences. It's not like any other contract situation. So that is one, one detail to note that was important. And a lot of times you don't see these contracts until a time like this when they're actually being discussed. So it's interesting for sure. Yeah, they don't let you know how much either. You know, like even the Sky Pippen Jr. when it was announced, it's like as per team policy, no details. Just that we know that we have Scotty Pippen Jr. for two years. We don't know how much. You know, similar with Gigi. So um, I think I think one other thing with all this that is, you know, going back to that point that I think the team can I think sometimes make the error of playing the guys they you know spent more capital to get or that were higher picks. I also think you have, it'll be interesting to see the rest of the season and the Grizzlies have been pretty good culture wise about this sort of thing, but I could feel, I mean, I, I feel like Monday night, one thing that I did notice, uh, Roddy was, uh, way more demonstrative and self frustrated, uh, like frustrated with himself, getting onto himself than he's ever been. You know, we talked about Zaire not looking the most jovial, on bad the body language, uh, bad body language. went back to the locker room for a minute actually yeah yes and so uh and and so it's an interesting because you don't so you you have that dynamic but then you also have this dynamic of man we we drafted a bunch of guys in a two three year period and the two two-way guys are who are blossoming and all these guys with some guaranteed money but obviously not long-term guaranteed money aren't and so it's gonna be interesting to see how that works out uh with everybody i mean i I think honestly i think tillman's frustration this year uh you know i'm starting to wonder how much the him not being signed uh after this year has has built into that because it's amazing when he knows he's going to get 30 to 35 minutes a game how much better he's playing and that goes back to the playoffs when he knew like i'm gonna play because adams is injured and clark's injured and so it's interesting to see uh you know and he's somebody, you know, just so there's a lot of that kind of dynamic that's going on with the team as far as just like continued interesting reasons to watch this team, uh, seeing how all these guys deal with those weird dynamics. Vince hinted at this in his postgame presser against Golden State, basically like the relief a little bit he was feeling that he he gets some free shots in a sense. It's like, you know. It, there's a little bit more dependent on him, but now he just gets he just gets to hoop. I forget what his direct quote was. I'm sort of paraphrasing the theme, and and I think it's clear that Gigi felt the same way. I, I interpret that quote to mean like, hey, look, 
no one else is out there. You, you get a shot. Just go prove yourself. Just play. And look, that is the most freeing pressure-filled situation these guys are ever going to be in. All of these young guys. And whoever rises to the top, to me, is showing who we've got as long-term assets. And 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 Roddy and Zaire, I mean, honestly, I sort of felt this way with Roddy in Summer League, where we were giving him some no-pressure situations to prove potentially what he could do, and he just sucked. He was not good offensively at all. Sure, he was miscast in his role, but the things that we were asking him to do in Summer League to try to score, to be a little bit of a creator, we're still giving him those shots in the main stage, and he's not doing a great job consistently. Zaire has been very very well documented on this podcast how much he's absolutely awful. And and even in a situation where he's he has had more of a foundation to shine in a scenario like Golden State, he, he sucks worse. He, like – in a scenario where like you're just watching on the court and he should be a guy that should be getting the ball, should be looking to go and get the ball. No, it's a 19-year-old and another two-way player and, oh, by the way, another two-way player. So like it is so glaringly obvious what we have and don't have in those assets. And I'm like – I like to me, they're just like sunk costs. They're gone. Like I'm not expecting any return from them. If anybody's watched any of our games, there's no way that we're going to get some moderate amount of return for them other than just like a throw in from a contract perspective versus Vince and Gigi. Now you're like, give those guys, get those guys as many reps now as possible because they hopefully will be real rotation players for us next year when we are really trying to write the ship and we're going to need them in pressure filled situations. And those reps are going to really matter rant over i agree i mean it's it is obvious and the one guy the one guy that i think actually has weirdly a shot to come out ahead here is david roddy and by ahead all i mean is retain the very last roster spot next season and that's only because he's getting paid the least out of all these guys and I think when you're looking at our situation next year when it comes to the tax, we're going to be valuing guys that will be on those cheaper deals. And I think it's appropriate now to maybe introduce what next season actually looks like so that it will inform our discussion on what we should do. And right now, the Grizzlies, as it currently stands, are... Well, the salary cap for next season is not going to be set permanently until the end of this season. It's all based on this huge equation that has to do with the total income that the NBA brings in. And then they have this crazy algorithm that figures out what the salary cap should be. But the main number that we should be focused on, because no matter what, the Grizzlies are going to be over that cap number. And the, the, the number we have to look at is the tax, which is $172 million. That's the bottom of the range. It could potentially be higher, like as much as $10 million higher than that. But we're just going to operate off of what's the base that we expect it to be, which is $172 million. And right now, um, as we speak, if we were to basically retain 
Luke Kennard's team option, which is going to be a huge point of discussion for us. We are already $14 million over that luxury tax line. And that's without another player signed to the 15th roster spot next year. Now that could look like it being Gigi Jackson. Um, it could look like it being our first round draft pick, which we still have right now. And the discussion is going to be, okay, this team is likely going to pay the taxes. It'll be the first time they've paid since 2005, I believe, when the salary cap was way lower. But this is the price you pay for having, you know, three guys that are going to make more than $25 million. And then you have a guy like Marcus Smart, Stephen Adams, Brandon Clark, and potentially Luke Kennard, who are all between 12 and 20. And that's already, you know, without even discussing the rookies that are going to be at the tail end of their deal, their rookie deals like Zaire, who's going to, who's on the books for 6.1. John Conchar has an extension kicking in at 6.1. That's important that those two guys are going to, are making 12 million over $12 million combined. A lot of, uh, a lot of potential trade, trade candidates with those two salaries. But the point that I'm making here is we are now, we are now hitting the, we're not on the development side anymore. Like we are now at the point where our biggest salaries, our highest cost guys are going to be all on the books. The Desmond Bain extension is kicking in. And so we're going to have to make a decision on a few guys. Luke Kennard is to me the first one because we have a team option next year. We don't necessarily have to pick that up. We have a few options, but Given that situation, and we're not, I mean, I follow the cap to an extent. There are some super nerds that are on podcasts that and, and write about this stuff that I will definitely defer to. But overall, when it comes down to the Grizzly situation with the tax, Ty, you had mentioned Santi being a guy that you're not sold on. He's extension eligible. Like, I'll, I'll throw it to you. Who are the guys right now on this roster that you see as expendable given not only the money, but just like the, the, the talent that we want to accumulate? I think a lot of players. Um, I think one thing to mention, like to me, if you just kind of think about like player archetype and then money stuff, like does it make any sense to have Vince and Conchar on the roster? To me, no, it doesn't, especially when Conchar's going to make $6 million, right? Like, to me, Vince is who you hoped Conchar would be. Conchar's 28, right? He's a lot older than you think. Um, Vince, I think, is 24 or 23, one of the two. But to me, like, that should show you right there, like, oh, we found that eighth, ninth man that's super scrappy, really good defender, can, you know, move the ball and off. Like, we we have that guy now locked up long-term on a really good deal. So, to me, like, that should show you right there, Conchar should be expendable, right? Um, the thing about Luke specifically is, you know, you've seen a lot of people, like, he would be very appealing to a playoff team that needs some shooting, but also doesn't want long-term commitment to me. Luke is like the perfect player for that. Is he going to get a ton of run for like a really competitive team in the playoffs? I don't know. Um, would he provide some form of shooting? Like absolutely he would. So to me, like basically a team would be interested in him just like we were interested in him last year. 
right? Like that's what we were looking for. He made so much sense for us. Um, that contract is also seems to be very movable. And again, I think that would be very valuable um, to a team looking for some shooting, but doesn't have to be committed, you know, to a long-term big deal. Um, and then we've already kind of hinted at the other young players, obviously Zaya, Roddy, LaRavia. Um, I'm going to throw Santi in that mix too. I think Santi, you know, it helps him that he has a lot of size. What he does with that size, especially on defense, I don't really know. Um, we still play him as a perimeter-oriented player a lot of the times, even though he is apparently close to seven feet. Um, definitely a liability on defense. Um, and if we're trying to put out lineups that have as much, you know, or as little liability on that side of the ball as we can, I don't know if he's going to be in the mix big time when it comes to, like, again, what we're talking about. Like, if we do make it to the Western Conference Finals, like, is Santi projecting to be heavily involved in a rotation? Right now, I'd say probably not. Um, and if that's kind of the player that we're looking to have in that spot, like I think that's another decision. Again, you mentioned extension eligible. Do we have to do anything with him? No, we don't. Um, that could also be appealing to another team, right? If we trade him now, they have his rights. They can sign him. He can be restricted for that said team. Um, and the other two big ones to me are the the currently injured big rotation, which I know where this isn't like a trade deadline pod or anything like that. And I don't know if we're really our front office is thinking about getting rid of Brandon or Steve-O. But to me, if you're concerned about either of those players coming back, because we've seen what it looks like to have a center position that's very limited with this roster. It's not something we can afford, in my opinion, if we want to win big. I think we need a good center. Um, potentially a good backup center. I think Steve-O fully healthy is exactly the player that we need. I think he fits to a T. He's the best offensive rebounder in the game, maybe the best just period rebounder in the game, really good passer, really good screener. To me, he fits crazy well. If we're concerned about his injury, though, um, maybe this would be the time to move. I don't know. I don't think so for what it's worth. I don't think we should trade Steve-O at all. I don't really think we should trade Brandon either. Point being, though, if like if we need a salary and we find a player that we think can be that guy long term, right? That really good center piece um, at the center position. I definitely wouldn't, you know, hold on too tight to those guys. At the same time, do I think they're going to get moved? No, I don't think either one of them are getting moved. I think that's a very low chance. Um. So I would say outside of Ja, Bain, Jaron, I'm including Marcus. I know a lot of people want to trade Marcus Smart. I think that is not wise. I think the time that he's been with us, especially when we had all our, our backcourt healthy, to me he looked great. He looked like exactly the player archetype that we wanted, especially in clutch moments. He's hit big shots. He's also made huge defensive possessions, getting steals on like Bradley Bill, for example. Like only Marcus Smart is making that play. Um, and then I think you would you would probably add in Vince to that core about who I fully expect to be on the roster next year. Outside of those five guys, you, I don't know. Is it too early? I mean, I would love for that to be the case. I, I, I personally don't think it's too early, but speaking on the front office perspective, probably. Yeah, I'll, I'll um, be that guy that I think says, it'll be, it, 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 I need to see it a few more times. 
for me. Sure, that's fair. So, I think I'll, it would be really I'll, dumb I'll, though. I'll 80 minutes isn't enough. I think it'd be really dumb. I think it'd be really dumb if there's a roster crunch and like we let Gigi go and keep Conchar though. Like I'm going to be very frustrated I think there's if something no like chance that, that happens personally. I don't either, but you yeah, know, I, mean, I, mean, I, I would I be on I mean, I say all that to say I want to see it a little bit more, but I I would be absolutely shocked if um honestly, I think I think he'll get a roster spot and get a and get a contract probably before the season's out. Um if if unless we just have not been able to trade any of the guys we've talked about at all. Or, or or anything, but I I fully expect Gigi to be on the roster and under contract going into the next. Two quick sure. thoughts. Uh, number one, just as far as just throw more options out there and more context. Technically, the luxury tax calculation is not made until the very end of the season, in which you're over that tax line. And so, truly, we do not have to worry about what the final number is until the summer of 2025. Like that's when we're going to see if we're, we end up over the tax. So let's say we even roll into next year pretty far over. You know, Steven Adams is an expiring deal. At that point, we'll know whether Brandon Clark is fully back or if he's limited. Like to me, February of 2025 is really when the front office is going to decide whether or not they're going to be over that line. So that's important context. Secondly, Luke Kennard is the big topic to me because he is the highest contract that I could see uh, potentially get moved. And if we wanted to move him, my guess is that it would be to a team that need that would probably be picking up his team option because they would want that control. But if the Grizzlies wanted to retain Luke and Luke was willing to play ball, they are allowed to decline the option which takes the $14 million off the table, but then give him a longer-term deal at a lower number per year. So if he wanted like a 3 for 27 or something like that to be $9 million a year, that would save the Grizzlies $4 million next season on their cap. Last thing I'll say before I'll let you, uh, some other thoughts in here, I just laugh because the two mistakes that I feel like we called out um, really, really early on were the Kennedy Chandler draft pick. That's dead money. And the fact that we signed him to so many guaranteed years, $2 million in dead money. And then Derrick Rose is also on the books next year for like $3.5 So there's $5.5 I consider Derrick Rose to be dead money. Um, but like overall, that's just kind of a frustrating point here that's really getting in the way of... like That's the difference between a Luke Kennard you being fine with picking up his team option and then potentially having to decline it and and losing a shooter, which this team desperately needs shooting. So that's the canard conundrum here. Um, but yeah, any other thoughts on kind of the roster at large and the decisions that need to be made? Yeah. I mean, I think it'll be interesting to see what we do with Conchar. You know, I'm uh, obviously my, my enjoyment of Conchar is well-documented. And, uh, and it does, you know, at the time I actually thought, uh, and maybe we thought the salary cap was going to be bigger. That was, a, that was a time period when everybody was saying, oh man, the new TV contract's going to be like two and a half, three times what it was. And now I think people are more like two times, not like three times. And I was thinking, oh, 6.3 is going to be nothing in, in a year or two years, three years. Um, and so it'd be interesting to see what, 
you know, it's it's weird. It's it's a hard thing because I do think that if we could get off Conchar, we probably would. I don't know if we will. I mean, obviously, I would much rather if it's between him and Zaire. I'm, I would much rather have Zaire gone because I think Conchar plays a good ten to fifteen man on the roster role that's not playing every night, but that can come in and like even what I talked about, like. He didn't. He got a DNP against the Warriors. He was totally fine on the bench, cheering people up, had great body language. And I do think that there's a value to having a long-term guy at the end of your bench who brings the positivity. Um, but we can't have him and Derrick Rose. Uh, we can't have a lot of people who are like that. And it'll be interesting to see how we look back at this long, you know, the $6 million, what the thought process was. I will say we seem to have got a lot of good two-ways. Um, and, and I wonder how much of us showing early on that our front office takes care of guys who do two way, do the right stuff. We sign them to long-term contracts, how much of like that was our ability, um, you know, to really find a lot of these two way guys and to, to be a team that seems to always be having guys people are interested in, uh, in the G league. So I don't know, but anyway. I am willing to put in ink to players that I know for a fact will not be on this roster next season. Number one, Xavier Tillman. He's ex- an expiring deal. It doesn't make sense. We're not going to sign him. So enjoy your final days with Xavier Tillman, Grizzlies fans. Secondly, is Jake Laravia. I just cannot imagine a world where Jake comes back. I would love to say that Zaire is the third on this list. I do have this worry that I could see a scenario where we get to the summer. There isn't an agreement that they come to based on Zaire's such poor play, but they basically say, all right, here's another prove it year. You didn't get an extension, but this is it. And it's going to be miserable. And then we're going to have to pay a second round pick just to get off him an expiring contract next February. So let's just get all that out of the way. Adam as the third guy on the list, create the roster spot, sign GG, and then roll into next year or this summer, at least having to figure out the Luke Kennard deal and then maybe get into, uh, I don't, I don't know. I, I don't foresee a, us necessarily getting into a larger deal at the deadline. That's just my feeling right now, mainly because I don't know if we are going to be playing ball at the level with like a Zach Levine contract. I just don't know. It would require a lot of us. And so I, I, I fully expect us to move along the margins and maybe see what we can do to offload some of the guys to make money work and maybe a, a mid-sized deal. But I'm, I'm excited for the Intel that's going to be leaking out about other teams in the next three weeks. Cause then that could allow us on the podcast to maybe piece together some deals based on the rumors out there. So it's, it, it is intriguing, even though the Grizzlies aren't going to necessarily be like huge sellers or huge buyers. There's a lot to watch. Do y'all think there, so what percentage chance do y'all give that we look up in a year and a half and Zaire is above Vince and Gigi in the pecking order or is above um, p- the potential that we see in them in any, in any capacity. <laughs> is negative, is negative, is, is a negative percentage an option? 
I'm going to say yes because I would take it. That's my answer as far as us going into into next season with Zaire. Um, I mean, obviously, you can't just get rid of him. Uh, we can't just wave him and eat that money. So we got to figure out. He sucks. But, he uh, sucks. But he sucks. He no. sucks. He sucks. He sucks. It 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 might get to the point where we have to just wave him. But I I think that it's like they're going to do everything in their power to not let it get to that point from just like a cap perspective. But yeah, I mean, I'm willing to send send a second round pick to somebody just for the trouble. Like, just go ahead. Yeah, please. Please. That's he's, what the Pelicans kinda, did today with yeah, they Kyle sure did. Lewis. He's yeah. kind of like, you know, Dylan, it was so obvious in the playoffs with Dylan when his just confidence got so shot and the fan base was so over him that like anyone that's just like sort of moderately paying attention is like, well, the fans will hate us if we bring him back. He also just really sucks. We can't hide this anymore. I mean, you know, we somehow we made we I don't know, we we at least got a little bit of something out of it. Maybe we can get a trade exception out of Zaire. That's kind of where I'm at. I'm like, maybe. But I think people groan when he comes in. Your average fan who might have come to their second home game is like, what is this dude doing in the game? It's th- He's awful. He's so bad. I know this is so well documented. I think uh, like, he's so terrible. It's a hate watch at this point. I think a point with that too is like we've we've talked about this. It seems like every year how we need to consolidate, we need to consolidate, we need to consolidate. Like that has just been the recurring theme. I, I mean, for what three years now. Um, it seems like when we were kind of looking to do that, we didn't, but we traded off those pieces for like first round picks. Like Melton was an example of that, right? Like we didn't really package him. We just got we kind of kicked it down the the road a little bit. So like that option to me would be what y'all are saying is like we trade Zaire and get like a second round pick or something for like a, you know, like the Pistons want to take a stab at him or something like that. Right. And we just get like a second round pick for it. But the other part to me is like, it just, to me, it makes so much sense to now package him with Luke. Right. And just see what, I don't know. It's like, <laughs> that's your price. Consolidation is going to have to happen. You have to take Zaire. <laughs> yeah. Take him too. Um, but the other thing about like, Will, you were talking about like the money side of things, but not only the money side of things, it's like the, the roster crunch, right? Like we already have, I think 14 guaranteed contracts going into next season, not including Luke. Luke, I think would be the 15th. Gigi's not included in that either. Right. So Gigi would also be a 15th. You get 15 roster spots and that's also not including this first round pick we're about to have. So at some point, somebody's going to have to go. Like, you're going to have to do that. Like, you're going to have to shed a player, whether that's waving Tillman, like you mentioned, um, getting rid of Luke. Like, that's a way to do it. But at some point, like, you're going to have to get off. Just that. to clarify, there and are 13 Luke, without Luke. Luke would actually be the 14th. 13, so there is okay. one, a tiny, tiny bit of wiggle room, but that means just, like, letting go of, you know, a guy. It's still small. And to my point, like, even if it's not Zaire, even if it's, like, there's a team interested in LaRavia, there's a team interested in Roddy for whatever reason that is to me, like, you know, none of them are playing over Vince when we are fully healthy, right? Like they're ninth men at best. If Gigi continues to show promise, like that is the guy that you're going to somewhat like put stock into and try to build up to be this wing. Um, 
that you think can like to me, he's shown more flashes in two games than Zaire has his entire career with like the type of archetype of a player that you want in that position. Right. I mean, think, think of this, think of uh, a bench lineup, like a, a sort of bench starter lineup, like going into the second quarter of Marcus Smart, Vince Williams, Gigi Jackson, Brandon Clark, Jaron Jackson Jr. Like, and how good defensively that sort of a lineup would be. It'd be amazing. You know, and I think those are the kind of lineups we have. And that's when you can have a player like Gigi Jackson who's in there with four other guys you know are good. So, I mean, that's yeah, like, if in the Just thing like with, measure it by tomorrow night. When we play, or the next game we play the T Wolves, and tomorrow yeah, night, that's and a good this, point. So we recorded this. It's like when Vince and Edwards and Gigi and Zaire are on the court together, who do you think Ant's going to be guarding? He's not going to be guarding Zaire. It's like if I, or maybe he will. He might just he to take, take a break off for like the entire quarter. Yeah. yeah, but like it's just gonna it's just correcting itself. It's like Zaire is gonna be just a non-existent human on the court in a game when he should be like actually showing up and doing something. It, it, it just it's so even before removed from being an argument. It's so glaringly obvious that it's like it. You know, if they don't take advantage of the trade deadline because it wasn't the right thing, then whatever they'll figure it out in the summer. Or we just have totally misread the confidence level of this front office, which we would say is a fairly confident front office. If this were Chris Wallace, then we would be expecting them just to continue to play Roddy and Zaire together for forever and re-sign them. But this is not. It, Thankfully. it is funny how Chris Wallace gets a lot of credit for the Zach Randolph, Tony Allen fines, but really Vince Williams and Tony Allen have a lot in common in terms of how they actually, you know, started to play on this team because it, it had to do with somebody in front of them getting hurt. And that's the only reason that they were even like forced into the lineup. And yet then they blossom almost immediately and the front office is given credit. I mean, at the end of the day, there there are a lot of guys you to choose from, and and that's the guy you chose. So you do get credit for it. But it is funny. I mean, it's definitely something to watch. Like honestly, one thing that we have in our arsenal is this first round pick in the twenty twenty four draft, which rumor has it is very weak. I almost am like you know, climbing. You had a shot at a top ten pick already. Maybe let's just get off of that pick, see what we can get for it, and uh, and just roll it forward with some veterans. Because I think I'm pretty over the whole development thing. I feel like we've got our development wins and Vince Williams and Gigi Jackson. We got our hits and Desmond Bain and maybe Santi at the end of the first round. Let's not press our luck anymore. I'm about I'm about ready to win, guys. I'm about ready to win with guys that I know that can play basketball. So this first round pick is not important to me right now. I think it's it's interesting because we played the Warriors and you think about the Spurs who had like going all the way back uh, old school to all the way back to 98, 99. And they had this kind of a year where everybody got injured on a good team that was thinking about contending and they wound up with Tim Duncan. Uh, you obviously have us. We always talk about we push we put the, the Spurs out in 2011 um, and they ended up uh, moving, moving around to get moving in early into the first round to get Kawhi Leonard. Uh, in a disappointing season. Uh, but then you have the Warriors, on the other hand, who had two disappointing seasons, and looks like maybe they came away with a Kaminga, but but a really lost two years for the Warriors. And I think that's going to be interesting to see 
because and I think and, and Ty talked about this a lot uh, last time we got together uh, after the jaw injury, but you know, to take advantage of this, whether it is making a good draft pick of a guy who is going to help us for many years or using that asset uh, to turn it around into, you know, a couple of veterans that are going to really help us. But it is, this is, this is a big moment for climate in the front office because uh, you know, if we look back in five years uh, and look at, think we won titles, we didn't win titles. Uh, we're going to really look into this year as like this year that we got this asset. We weren't expecting a high draft pick potentially, and we didn't use it well. So I, I think it's a lot of pressure on climate. And I've been very negative against anyone not named Gigi and Vince. Um, and, and Will can vouch for me on this. We're, when we were sitting together in the Golden State game, there was like, I don't know, out of five possessions, there's like two to three where Roddy got the ball and took the shot. And two of them were like outside buckets. One was like a cut with the outside three-point shots. He clearly clanked and missed. The, uh, you know, he had like a cut where it was a great cut. He got the ball and finished at the rim. There was another one maybe where he dribble drive then and he happened to be in control and he shot a little jumper and, and made it. And it's just like, to me, like that's another like coaching adjustment for Roddy that I would really love to say super focused. Now we've got some playmaking types that are going to be our playmakers. Roddy, you are confined to this role offensively. Be our bruiser defensive guy. Stay, try to like stay in front and grab boards and do your thing, but we don't ever want you taking an outside shot. It's not going to happen. We want you to really to, to hit cuts, to be looking for the right play, maybe look a little mid-range jumper type, but like just stop trying to make three points happen because it just doesn't work. It, like, and, I, and I feel like that mindset shift for him could be really helpful and start to, start to help him get some confidence, which he's clearly lacking. And this, to me, is the Jenkins problem, is that we have never seen that type of player adjustment happen at a broad enough level to where we could really see it. It was like the main thing with Dylan. It's like, would you stop trying to make your outside shot really happen? Just focus on a specific role, be kind of, you know, the driving playmaking type versus just being an outside threat all the time. It just never adjusted. And, and you know, I think in moments at the Houston Rockets, we've sort of seen a little bit of that adjustment under a more restrictive player type coach. And I think Roddy could excel in a more focused offensive role. I just don't think he's going to get that level. And he's a player that can be coached. I think he's not like Dylan. And this to me is a little bit of my criticism on the just open concept of offensive play. We need some players need a little bit of a sandbox to play in, and their sandbox should be smaller. And I do think that Roddy could excel in a smaller sandbox. I think it's a great point, Brantley. And I think it also, if I were to take your point and apply it to another player, why I feel like all of us are so over the moon excited right now about Gigi is because he isn't like, honestly, if you think about the guys on our team, besides Bain, who can obviously shoot three and play make the only other guy who we are confident in before we saw Gigi as a shooter was Luke Kennard. And that's literally the only thing he can do. And we had to go and get somebody who was available because all these shooters out here that can do other stuff aren't always available. And so we had to go out and get the guy that's his primary skill, but we've seen his deficiencies on the defensive end. But this is why Gigi, I feel like to all of us is so exciting right now is because he's a, He's a guy who has the slasher like instincts and can play that role wherever you need him. And he's a big body, but he can shoot. It's just like 
this guy who finally might be able to put it all together and you don't have to just like imp- you don't have to shrink the sandbox per se like you're saying with a guy like Roddy but I totally agree on your point like maybe maybe the revelation of Gigi and some other guys like that are that now Roddy doesn't have to be the answer from the three-point line, which we've been lacking so much, and I feel like I've tried to shoehorn guys into that role. And so that's, to me, like plays into the excitement of having another guy uh, play the wing position that can actually shoot in a fluid motion. Ty, you had something earlier. Was it to, about any of those points? Don't even remember what it was. But one thing I will mention on the on the GG, I mean, let's just let's just go 40 minutes on GG here. I'm, I'm kidding. Um, to me, yeah, you will. You kind of hinted at it earlier. There's been a lot of draft people f- saying, like, if if he wouldn't have reclassified, he was going top five in this upcoming draft. Um, the the reason, I mean, he was a projected top, you know, or a, a, at least a first round pick for a long time, even last year, right? Just off the flashes that he had shown, um, he was a really, really highly recruited or highly touted high school prospect. The big thing was like lack of maturity um, in college. Apparently, I kind of did some digging on him, and apparently, he went on Instagram Live. Believe it or not, that's you know we just it's a thing that happens uh, on the Memphis Grizzlies, um, and kind of criticized his coach uh, publicly. And apparently, they immediately like met after that, and you know cleared the air. They you know Gigi apologized, moved forward from it. But that was kind of the big thing on Gigi is just like maturity. Is he going to be able to fit into a system? Is he going to be able to do any of that kind of stuff? If you watch his last two games for us, and yes, like he played well, so I don't really know if he was hit with a lot of adver- you know adversity. I feel like guys are you know going to be somewhat good teammates, positive when they're playing well, right? So like there's going to be times where he doesn't, and there's going to be times where things aren't easy for Gigi. And we'll have to see kind of how he responds to that. But if you were to tell me after the post-game interview, you know, when he's saying yes, sir, and yes, ma'am to the TNT guys, when he shouts out his hustle shooting coach, um, everything about him in the hustle, about how, like, he comes prepared, he's ready to work all the time, like, everything has been glowing about him. Also, if you watch his play style about how he can fit into the flow of the offense, right? Like, he can be a catch-and-shoot guy at times. He can also be a guy who can put it on the floor a little bit. He can also, one big thing about, especially when you watch him and Zaire, the big difference to me is how competitive he is on defense and how physical he can be, right? Like, he took the body blows from Kamiga and stood strong and then blocked his shot. Like, that happened multiple times. Um, offensive rebounds. put He had a great fast break, ran the floor. Uh, Vince got... Um, missed a layup against the Knicks and Gigi comes flying in. Yes. Towards the end of the game, but gets a put back dunk. Um, his just activity. He's all over the place. He doesn't look like to me an entitled kid who thought he was going to be handed everything, right? Like if that was the narrative on him, if the eye test is anything to me, these last two games have shown that that's not the case anymore, at least. Right now, again, two games, small sample size, you know, caveat after caveat. But at the same time, like he looks like he can do a lot of different things. And and kind of what I was wanting to say is other people have mentioned this too. the first round pick you have upcoming. 
if there's a chance that you can get Gigi Jackson, who is a projected potentially first round pick if he were to go this year, locked up on a long-term deal for what would be cheaper than a top seven pick. Like to me, that's like a no brainer. And that gives you the ultimate flexibility to do whatever you possibly want to with this pick. If you have a kid who just turned 19, who is like younger than Bronny James, who's obviously a freshman this year at USC, like he's younger than a lot of the guys that we would draft in that spot anyway. Um, to me, that that kind of gives you, yeah, like I was saying, you can do so much with this first round pick. Don't be married to it. Feel like you can do whatever you want to it. And at the same time, if you feel like you love a guy in the draft, like obviously go take him. I'm not saying like trade it at all cost. You might want to get a um, Steven Adams but replacement. But if Gigi continues to do well, yeah, totally. You can take another guy, like not a, I mean, not a flyer, but maybe draft positionally, right? Rather than like, oh, let's just go take another stab at another wing that might not work out. Um, so and even like the, the Dillingham kid from Kentucky. Yeah. He's like a Tyrese Maxey 2.0 is what it seems like. It's a very valuable player to have on a rookie contract. Like you can kind of do a lot of stuff with it. If Gigi continues to, to pan out. And at the end of this year, we look up and we're like, guys, Gigi's a player. Like this is, this is awesome. Like, I can't believe that we came away with this somehow. Kraft, would you tell our audience a little bit about the news that came down today regarding Amazon basically purchasing a stake in the Diamond Sports Group, which is the uh, parent company of Bally Sports. Yeah, so it's, uh, you know, there's still a lot of details coming out, but that Amazon definitely purchased sort of a minority stake, but it seems like a pretty sizable one. And, and I think... Uh, you know, it's it's interesting because I think Chris Vernon today and some other people kind of came out and were like, slow down, similar to what maybe some people are saying about our love of Gigi Jackson right now. But like, you know, slow down, like there's still, the valley's not totally gone. We don't know exactly what this means uh, as far as how we're going to air our Grizzlies games. But I do think that this is a big deal. And I do think eventually, and I don't know what capacity, uh, we will be able to get Grizzlies games through Amazon Prime Video, which probably my guess, since you know, I think it's 140 to 150 million Americans have Amazon Prime Video, and I think right now only like 70 million have cable. Uh, that that this obviously uh, gives a lot more people an ability to watch Grizzlies games potentially, and then of course the question is always going to be, is it if Amazon begins to make these local games more available, is it going to be like the Thursday night football game? which just comes with prime or is it going to be some kind of additional thing? Uh, and also just this general notion that it looks like Amazon is slowly wanting to create a sports bundle um, of some kind. And uh, you know, and this would be a major thing. And obviously we're still waiting because Amazon uh, all, every, all signs point to Amazon being a part uh, right now, although some people have said it's Apple versus Amazon, but a lot of people think Amazon's going to be part of some kind of national partnership with the NBA as well. Uh, so, so it'll be very interesting to see, you know, all that happens. We don't know yet what that's going to look like, uh, but we do know that they've kind of stepped stepped in to keep Valley from totally going bankrupt. And you know, so our thoughts that maybe there'd be just a complete local solution or over the air or like some of these are Grind City Media taking over. It now looks like. Uh, the direction is headed more towards Amazon, at least in some ways, hosting 
the Grizzlies going forward in some capacity. Yeah, and my guess is there's a lot of negotiations still to happen, which I hope down the line includes the regional blackout issue because I know that's part of the reason why I was excited about Bally potentially going belly up just because they, I mean, if you just travel around the Mid-South, you'd be shocked by how wide the regional blackout zone is for the Grizzlies if you're trying to stream them from, say, like Birmingham or um, or South Mississippi or something like that. It's it's truly crazy at this point. And so it'll be, it'll be really interesting to see where we end up watching games. I mean, true, anything is better than the Bally app. So if it ends up being on Amazon Prime, listen, I'll take I'll take whatever win I can get from that standpoint. But overall, it, it is a big deal. And I will listen to those that are saying pump the brakes on drawing any conclusions quickly on it, but it's certainly something to monitor as Grizzlies fans. So keep keep looking in the news. Yeah, and, and I will say, even the people that are saying pump the brakes, so there's two or three people that were kind of saying that. They said that just from what they're hearing, that it that it will ultimately, it's going to be better for fans. So in other words, the desire is more fans uh, being able to watch the games, uh, which to me translates as in we're not going to be paying, having to pay 20, 25 bucks a month for Bally Plus or have cable um, in, a, in a way. Although you know, for some people they would say, well, but we might have to get Amazon Prime. Why? You know, I would just say Amazon Prime is well worth it uh, for all the other things, you know, if that it's it's a worthy bundle, I think, compared to like a cable. That I think way more people have have Amazon Prime than have cut cable. So, guys, can I give y'all two Derrick Rose stats that I just had in my back pocket, and then we can give our final thoughts on this podcast? Empty the uh, notebook, Will. When Derrick Rose was drafted, Gigi Jackson was two years old. Just let that sink in for a second. Love and that. also. On a more kind of somber side, Derrick Rose has played less minutes than John Morant this season. <laughs> and John Morant only played nine mm. games. So if I could just add to the to the heap of, you know, sarcastic praise, like that's that's where we are with old old D Rose. And there's no indication that we're gonna that look to move is... off of him. Uh, which is kind of sad to me. That's Nuts. that's another guy I would lump into everybody else that we're trying to consolidate and get rid of. But you know what? I don't run the team. Kind of forgot he's on the roster. Though. Locker room's never been better. Yeah, totally. His voice has been huge. Yeah, I, I legit forgot he's on our team. Like when I started naming players, did not even consider him because I completely forgot he's yeah. on our team. So you know, when we have a roster crunch and we talk about that, you know, maybe let's look to that guy. Um, but whatever. If he's helping Jaw, what can I say? All right, final thoughts. Let him do his thing, man. Um, I just want to I just want to mention uh, really quick. Um, let me kind of confirm some stuff here. Maybe maybe a little teaser um, for an upcoming upcoming pod. Uh, future future Grizzly uh, Wendell Carter yes. Jr. Played 23 minutes tonight, went six for seven from the field, three for four from three, uh, had 18 points, five rebounds, two offensive. That is going to be my sole purpose in Grizz life these next three weeks is to find a way, willing it to happen, to make Wendell Carter Jr. Dude, you got to just become the 
Those are my thoughts. You got to become forward. the biggest Goga Batadze fan in the world. We need that guy to keep playing his the, butt off. The fact that they keep saying that he's on the he's available in trade, I'm just like, make it happen. Just get it get it done. I would I would be so in on that deal. Amen. Brantley, any final thoughts? I I hear the I hear the Magic enjoy uh, overrated long wings too. So we have so many of those landing spot too. Because I, I feel like Luke Luke and window Luke and Zaire would match right, or would be 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 a good match for Wendell Carter. That's uh, I mean Wendell Carter's like thirteen and a half million oh, okay. for three so years. His contract. Let's just throw him in anyway. Zaire and Kachar. His contract is awesome. Kachar. Um, yeah, we we can make it work. So send him send him a pick or two for all I care. I'm I'm all in. Brantley, final thoughts. Is there a way? Actually, yeah, I want to know really quickly who's worse. Who's the worst player on the Grizzlies roster? Oh, that's a good one. I would. Who's gonna answer first? Yeah, let's go, Will. Let's hear it. I think that. And then we have to answer who's the best. I think Jake Laravia is the worst player on the Grizzlies roster. I think Zaire is the enough. worst player. Uh, Laravia has not. Laravia has not played as enough to take the worst mantle from Zaire. That's fair. So <laughs> he could, but but Laravia, uh, which maybe you know, which you could argue, the fact that every time Laravia gets an awesome shot to get some playing time, he immediately gets injured might make him the worst, but I'm, I'm going to say Zaire. Like I'll say this, my body does not convulse. I don't start <laughs> to get nauseous when Laravia comes to check in. <laughs> and I visibly, uh, one of the ongoing uh, fun things about anybody who goes to a Grizzlies games with me is, is watching me when I see Zaire walk to the uh, table. Uh, fortunately, I, I went solo this week, so the fact that he was starting, nobody had to witness uh, my frustration uh, with him being a starter this week uh, against uh, on Monday. But anyway, so I'm going with I'm going with Zaire. Yeah, is it too late for me to change my I'll, pick? Uh, no, yes, okay. it's too late. You've seen, I'm so shocked you've you said that too. I'm going with I'm going with Z, our boy. Tenth overall pick in the twenty whatever draft that was out for, of Stanford for, University. You should have gone for those, those, Will. Yeah, well, that is a great question. Yeah, it's for those that actually listen to the end of this pod. Maybe I can just do a quick story time as a monologue before I share my answer. I, I have not asked permission to share the story, so I'm going to remove names other than Grizz players. Um, so friend of mine was coming back home from airport in the United States of America that was in Atlanta and sees a, a terminal full of G league players who belong to the Memphis hustle. Um, and he sees Gigi Jackson, Jake LaRavia, Gilliard sitting there waiting to ride their airplane back to, you know, Memphis. And he realizes my son loves the Grizzlies. This would be so, and it's his birthday coming up. This would be so cool if I walk if if I walk up to him. I don't really want to be that guy, but I would. If they would say happy birthday to my son, that would be so much fun. This person's not on our podcast since some of us have sons. Um, but anyway, so he walks up to them and says, "Hey, um, look, I know this is weird, but my son's birthday is coming up. Would you 
wish him happy birthday on video so I could just send it to him. Uh, let's just say that Laravia, uh, radio silence, look away, no eye contact. Uh, Gilliard, on the other hand, it's like, yeah, I'm, I'm happy to do it, man. I'm totally do it. It says happy birthday to the sun, sends video, whatever. So there's a lot of me that would like to say that Laravia and Zaire, like, that they, they, they sort of tips the cap, like, come on, Rex Specs, like, Faith and Family Night. Let's 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 do one for the kids here. Uh, anyway, I've ranted on Zaire enough tonight, so I'm going to pick Laravia just because that story really got me in my loins big time. Wow! For another dude who I just hope is just like, let's see you later, bro. Yeah, I mean, the point of all of this too is a great question because there is such a. I mean, it's a competition here at the bottom. Like, who truly is? I will say the reason I said Laravia too is. Uh, not only the story that Brantley told me the other night about that, that might have been playing into the fact of, of that choice, but the uh, the fact that we've never seen Laravia have a game. like We've at least seen a flash of Zaire in the preseason, which again, it was preseason, so um, I'm glad we were patient on that and saw what he did in the real season. But also, I mean, he still has had a couple of you know, 18, 16 point games and like hit some shots with Jaw. And so we've seen like, we've seen a flash Granted, you will never hear me defend Zaire ever again. Like, this is the only time I'll ever do that in any sort of debate is right now. But we've never seen LaRavia do it, like, at all. And so that's why I would have to rate LaRavia below. And I think that also when you're – if you are looking at true trade value, I do think that Zaire would have a slightly higher trade value than Jake LaRavia right now. Was it this incoming season or last incoming season where they were like – where somebody – was trying to make Laravia on the like he's hitting shots he's gonna happen and we like debated the possibility of that am I making that up I feel like I remember seeing hearing that in probably like preseason so. stuff maybe I yeah it's a great question anyway, I mean sorry. D Rose yeah he's down there too obviously so um Kraft yeah. final thoughts uh just I guess empty notebook but um but <laughs> January is by far Taylor Jenkins' best month coaching, which I think uh, could be a good conversation for a future podcast. Why is that, that he so overperforms in January? Uh, In fact, it seems to, it's usually a kind of a month where a lot of teams that are good sort of like uh, tend to coast. And so that's been very, very interesting to me. But I say that to say that, uh, you know, I got to bring a little bit of positivity as we end, but like, we are only four and a half out of the play-in. Uh, we have actually been really good despite all the injuries. Honestly, we've only lost one game in this month that I would say, eh, we could have maybe beat the Knicks, but the Knicks are a really good team. They're probably going to be a home court advantage, a four or five seed in the East. Um, and uh, we've actually looked good and are playing well. So I, I hope to, I'm not, I don't have a lot of positivity about the T-Wolves, but uh, I am feeling very good uh, potentially about even my three and seven pick for the next 10 i do think we're going to be more competitive than people realize at least for a little while until maybe the tread deadline you know this has been a really fun podcast and i think a lot of it is because there's a glimmer of hope we have we have two guys that at the beginning of the season we didn't even know if they were going to even play one minute on this team and now they are two guys that i think we would all consider to be part of maybe the long-term future if they continue to perform as they are. And so the tension, the tension of the season, I think is, is diffused because we are, 
We're just having fun here. We're just playing spoiler, and we're we're tanking the Warrior season, and maybe we'll we'll find some other victims here in the next few weeks. But the trade deadline is February eighth. We're all eyes are on that. We're gonna have another TNT game tomorrow night, nine p.m. against the Timberwolves. We're recording again on on Wednesday night, so for us it's tomorrow night. And maybe we'll get another walk-off interview by a different Grizzly if we play spoiler in Minnesota. So be tuning into that. Uh, This is a lot of fun for Ty, for Kraft, for Brantley. I'm Will. Thanks for joining us. We will talk to you very soon.